Hello and welcome to Time for Kate's Nail, episode 26, with me Eason. And me Bex. And today, after some time away from Kate's Nail, we are returning and we have a wonderful chat to bring you with the creators of the new full motion video game, The Shapeshifting Detective. Yeah, so this is the first FMV game we've ever played and we both really enjoyed it. And we had uh, the good fortune to have a chat with the creators of the game as well as two of the cast members. We spoke to Tim and Linda Cowles, who run Devecchi Studios, which created the game. And we also spoke to Anna Rosa, Dithigary Butler and Rupert Booth, who both perform in the game. And The Shapeshifting Detective is a murder mystery game in which you begin as a character who has the ability to morph into anyone that they've met. So as the game progresses and you meet more and more characters, you can change your appearance and your voice into those characters and you can go and investigate the murder in the guise of some of the people who might be suspects or people who are related to the victim and as the game continues the choices you make in terms of who you speak to and what questions you ask them determine how the game is going to unfold so there are multiple pathways that you can go through the game and i think multiple killers as well it's a really wonderfully put together game it's tremendously fun to play and actually it really draws you in And one thing that uh, I really liked was it was the first experience I've had of a game that you can play through and you get quite involved in sort of driving the story, you know, as the player. You get to choose how, you know, how the game develops, how the characters interact, etc. But then at the very end, you have the opportunity to essentially play the whole game again and get um, a remarkably different outcome as well. Mm. And although FMV games have actually been around for a very long time, I think there has been a real resurgence in them uh, in the last few years. And the work that Tim and Linda do at Debecky Studios, I think, is uh, is only going to grow and be part of a much larger selection of FMV games, especially now that they're coming to all different consoles and PCs as well. So we played the version on the Switch, but it's available absolutely everywhere. And I think it's just a really interesting way of putting games together and really might be something to have a go at if you're really interested in games which are really driven by narrative and structure and the original ways in which you can devise how the game mechanic can be as uh, as interactive for the player as it probably was for the creators to put together. Yeah, so this is our chat with all four of them, where we find out a bit more about how a game as complex as this gets put together, and also what it's like performing in games such as uh, The Shapeshifting Detective. So we hope you enjoy. So we're delighted to be joined for this episode by Linda and Tim Cowles, who are the brains behind Devecchi Studios and creators of The Shapeshifting Detective. We're also joined by Anna Rosa Dithigiri Butler, who plays Bromwyn Castle in the game, and Rupert Booth, who plays Chief DuPont in the game. Hello, Hello. everyone. Hello. 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 The Shapeshifting Detective is an FMV. What exactly is an FMV and what is The Shapeshifting Detective all about? Uh, well, FMV stands for uh, full motion video. So it's a game that um, uses film instead of computer graphics. Um, many FMV games might mix the two, but uh, as technology has advanced, um, the more recent FMV games lean towards being mostly film, if not completely film. 
Yeah, which ironically has nothing to do with technology advancing. Because <laughs> of interactive film, they get overlapped. So FMV means full motion video, and it's from, you know, it's, it's a, a holdover from the 90s, from the, some of the first FMV games. The interactive movies, interactive films, they're also kind of work quite a lot like FMVs in that you can have multiple choices maybe and branching content. And, and they're still made of, vid- of, of films. So they're kind of high-budget interactive films like Late Shift, you might have heard of things like that. And, and places like Netflix, they're going after movie makers to make kind of Hollywood interactive films. So we're at a weird kind of pinnacle at the moment with FMV games and interactive movies. And The Shapeshifting Detective is an FMV game about a detective who has the ability to shapeshift into uh, any person that he or she meets. Solving, um, solving a murder. To solve a murder yeah. and catch them all lying. <laughs> find out what their uh, secrets are. So essentially you begin the game as this mysterious Sam figure who you never actually see, which makes the player connect to them in an interesting way. And then as the game progresses, every character that you then meet within the game, you can then turn into afterwards. So how did you develop that idea as a way of constructing the game? I think we're constantly trying to find new and innovative things we can do with um, FMV. With our last game, we had the um, you could type on a keyboard to ask questions. Um, and it was part of the development process of what we were going to do for our second game, thinking how can players interact. Um, and really it was not what if it wasn't about what you asked, but about who you were, who you were when you asked it. Um, and I think the shapeshifting detective as a name came out of that. And it was really that name that, uh, it, the game formed around yeah. um it sort of became this noir uh, murder mystery investigation with supernatural themes um Every, everybody loved the name everybody loved the name so we had to yeah. write <laughs> even, even though we thought it would be impossible to write which it almost was but everybody was everybody loved the name because it's kind of high high concept i guess a shape-shifting detective but yeah i mean it also, if you look at traditional adventure games where you might maybe try several different inventory items on a lock to open it, in our game, you change into different people and go and visit, you know, Violet multiple times as different people to see if you can unlock her, essentially. So it's it's a similar thing, if you look at it like that, anyway. <laughs> so how did your work in FMBs kind of spin out from the earlier things that uh, you were doing, working in sort of murder mystery games for sort of commercial brands and moving to sort of DVD format uh, FMVs as well. It, that's funny because you've obviously said that years and years ago we started writing Murder Mystery Party, which is a registered brand coming from America of, of party games, murder mystery party games you'd host at home. And we, we pitched putting in DVD films to those and that's how the company started. But one of the very first DVD films we put in actually had a DVD menu where you could interactively question the suspect. <laughs> many, many years ago. Yeah, 10, 12, years yeah. Ago. so yeah. it's kind of funny that we, we've come forward to do that. But we've, we've been doing those murder mystery games for the past 14 years. So 
we find it quite easy kind of writing those kind of things. In the last three or four years, we've introduced something called Murder Mystery Flexi Party, which took those box games and made it so as a host, you didn't have to care if somebody didn't turn up, the game could still be played. And then we've taken that kind of idea of how we've made our murder mysteries flexible into the FMV games. So along with the filming that we started in the beginning all those years ago, obviously passionate about filming things, um, we've brought those films into FMV and we've got the murder mystery stuff um, that we've always been doing. And they've just you know, been able to go together perfectly for these. That said, for FMV3, it might not be a murder mystery. You heard it here first. So you say that with the shape-shifting detective, it began with the title almost and grew from there. Do you begin with a concept for the storyline and do the story branches grow as you write it? Or do you have a very elaborate plan from the beginning of how the story might go? We don't have an elaborate plan. (laughs) Um, (laughs) We, um, and I think we prefer not to. We sort of have a, an, an overall idea of of where it might go, and then uh, we scurry off and write something, and then uh, think about whether we like it or not. Um, with the shapeshifting detective, we actually started off. Um, well, it was very very different to begin with. We had a, a more topic based questioning system, so you'd go around and you'd ask people the same questions, and then you'd shift and you'd go around and you'd ask them the same questions to sort of see how their answers changed the same question depending on who you were but we felt that would would be very boring <laughs> yeah, it was very boring. yeah it was what it would be we, um, we wrote the same answer 50 times and went yeah nobody's gonna want to hear that we were bored of it by that yeah. point yeah um so it's it, it the story is something that almost grows organically i mean um there's characters that we didn't plan for until they appeared and oh we, yeah um the, st- the, the story's a lot shorter, isn't it? The actual story that we went with in the end is like half the size of the one that we even specked out on the back of Rizla. We thought it was going to be much bigger. But as it as it's as it stood, we when we got halfway through, and we're going to not we have to finish it for time, but just it you don't realise until you're in it just how much extra work it's going to be to have nine other people asking things. <laughs> and with the branching with the branching narratives as well, I mean the whole thing gets very sprawling very quickly and um um in terms of producing that and filming that and um you don't want it to get too big for its own boots. <laughs> um too big to handle. because um, then that that becomes uh, a a burden really. But just basically yeah. if anyone wants to write one, is it fun? Is it interesting? Who cares mm. about the rest? Try and wire it together afterwards. As long as, <laughs> as, long as, as long as people are going to have fun and you've created something interesting, that's kind of, you know, that's what the games are for, isn't it? So, yeah, we don't have any um any any other message, really. We should just try and um, keep it fun and, fun and interesting. Seems to be working for us, vaguely. You'd worked with um, Ashlyn Diaz, who plays Violet, in the previous game, uh, The Infectious Madness of Dr. Decker. But all of the other characters... Uh, but the, the cast are completely new to your game. So when you're developing the characters and you mentioned that sometimes they just sort of appear as you're writing the story, do you have an idea in mind as to what the character is going to be like? And, or do, do you continue writing and developing the characters after you start casting people? 
<laughs> you're you're right that last bit, but that's more to do with that's an accident, really. <laughs> we, we, we started casting before we finished writing, but that has happened in oh, Decca right. and in Shapeshift. So we're we're probably about eighty percent of the way through, and then and then we started then we started the casting process. This time, Wales Interactive wanted the game within a particular publishing window, so we had to hit the ground running. For Decca, we just we didn't know if anyone would be interested, to be honest. So <laughs> we put out those feelers early to make sure that we could get our cast together. Um, it wasn't it wasn't as difficult this time. But in general, when we start off, we think about the characters. We actually just pick people from TV shows we like. <laughs> to give us an idea of this just character. To, yeah, just who, to give you a broad idea. Yeah, who would we have in this role or uh, um, which character would be good as, you know, which TV or film character would be good in this sort of situation? And uh, use that as a starting point, at least. Or, or at least or two yeah. of, because I think Ashley's sort of character, mm. she was supposed to be like um, Norma Bates at a mm. base motel. <laughs> Very uh, fun, Eva. Yeah. Mixed with a bit of Eva, Eva Green out of um, Penny Dreadful. Penny. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously Ashley and Cameron made it her own. But, it, yeah, it helps It helps us to shorthand them anyway, as well, because... You, you you played the game, thank you very much. Um, and hopefully, you, you saw that the characters were all kind of different. Or you know, we like to we like to say it's like a box of chocolates. There's there's something good one, and it doesn't make you sick at the end of it. <laughs> What's it like performing in in these games? Because both of you have worked on a um, FMVs before. I think that you were in Contradiction together, weren't you? We were. Yes. Yes. You sound so happy about that. I was being mindful of trying not to talk over oh, you. I'm sorry. Thank you. <laughs> it's it's the only time it'll happen. Enjoy. I know. It. I really am. I really am. <laughs> <laughs> she really will too. Sorry about this, guys. We have our moments. We're best friends. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yes. Right. <laughs> no, we worked together in contradiction. Yes. We, yes. Yes. We, yes. It was a very different experience, wasn't it? I'll pass it over to you, Roops. Take it away, kid. <laughs> A different experience. It was a different experience. It, it was for me, um, if you want to know this, um, because of the experience of doing contradiction, um, which I found bewildering. Uh, I had, I, you know, I had no idea. I didn't have the foggiest clue how it was going to fit together when we were shooting it because I'd never been anywhere near a game. Um, and, but when we did, so when we did shapeshift, I was, I was more kind of clued up on kind of, oh, I see. This may seem disjointed to me, but actually there is a through line here. So yeah. So because it, it, is it odd not having other cast members to interact with while you're actually filming your your bits? It's very lonely. It's a bit lonely at, at times. Shut up! You went to the manor house. Oh, but I was still on my own with the ghost. That's not really company, <laughs> is it? Uh, I, I saw an interview of you and Ashlyn in the same place. You, you can't have been on your own all the time. Oh well, I was. I, I did meet Ashlyn though briefly. I was. It was one of the few, um, ca- like the only cast member I met actually. That and Nick who let me crash on this floor when I, my flight from Barcelona was four hours delayed. But that was it, really. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's two more than I met. <laughs> so, so anyway, for, for me, for me, I was, yeah, I was just sat in the office all day, not talking to anyone, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> because that's, that's acting, isn't it? You just get on with it. You just imagine, you know, that people are there or things are there or whatever. So how much did you actually know about the story and the other characters whilst you're recording your roles. Over to you, Bob. Well, honestly, I only just had my script, so therefore it was all a little bit of a, of a surprise. And it's, I think it's just the, the nature of the beast, really, that um, 
you you just know what you you know regarding your own character development in that line. But in terms of the other characters, I really didn't know that much. Did you, Rupert? I knew everything because I was the chief. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> of course you did. It was the same as Jenks, basically. You know, I went and interviewed everyone and talked to everyone, so I generally got... I didn't know everything, but I, I knew significantly more than, than most As it should be. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. It doesn't work out all right in real life, unfortunately. Hey-ho. So one thing we wondered about was, um, you know, do you actually feel like you're getting the chance to uh, to play sort of multiple aspects of the same character when you're recording these things in in an FMV game. It's not like you have a, a singular arc over the whole storyline. You actually have to play one character who's going to react and behave in different ways uh, in response to different um, questions or outcomes that the uh, player chooses. Um, well, just as, a, as an actor, it's really cool because it's like an exercise in itself where you... I suppose where you have to take on board different um, different scenarios as your character would, and you would do that as a warming up exercise, or your director would obviously throw different scenarios at you. So you'd have to be malleable with that. But this time around, you're actually doing it for the actual for the actual film or for the game in this in this uh, in this sense. So it was really like I like I mentioned it to Tim a few times. It was a really good exercise for an actor because you're just acting on your own. Um, and you're reacting to your the, your own imagined worlds, so it was actually really cool to kind of get the old acting chops out for that. So I enjoyed it from that perspective. Yeah, same here. I, I mean, it, it is, I think, maybe uniquely very reactive, uh, and you, you know, you haven't usually you do have a character through line to follow. A character starts here and ends up there and goes through all these things in the meantime, whereas these characters tend not to in the same way. Dupont more than Jenks, you know, various things come out about relationships he may have had and all that sort of thing with people in the village um but um yeah a lot of the time exactly as Anna Rosa says you are just kind of reacting to the information that's being given to you what I found when we were playing it is that when we were playing as Sam it felt like we were just being well us in the game really but when you start shape-shifting into some of the other characters you start your line of questioning almost changes as you were start to adopt the characteristics of the characters in the way that you've played them. So if we so you know if we were shapeshifting into Bronwyn, we suddenly find ourselves being a lot more sympathetic and kind yeah. to the people that we were talking to. Or, you know, if we were shapeshifting into DuPont, we'd suddenly be very suspicious of everyone. It was it was kind of odd how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> That's fiendishly clever. That's actually a really interesting idea that the player that's involved seems to adopt. It's almost like a chameleon. That you yourself as a player seems to you seem to take on board the emotions of the character. There's something in that, I think. Tim, look into that. Do it. They they wrote it. They've already done it. They they made people do it already. <laughs> that they're way ahead of us. That they they are the master brains. It's good. <laughs> no, there's an academic yeah. paper in there somewhere. I'm sure there is. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's just me. Sorry, it's the, it's the food poisoning talking. Clearly, that's that's <laughs> you go you go and write your paper. It's good. I look forward to reading it. <laughs> Go write a ten thousand word thesis, shall I? I'll come back to you in a while. I've written five scripts in a yeah, carry on. <laughs> you're you're a writer, Rupert. So, you're a writer. So are you. Oh, thanks. <laughs> if you could, which uh, which character in the game, or I suppose even outside of the game, would you ever choose to uh, shape shift into? If you could, I'd like to be the detective, actually. Oh, a woman, just because a woman. What did she say, Rupert? 
Uh, a woman, just because, obviously. <laughs> just, just to find out, you know. <laughs> You're so easily pleased, not any just anyone. anyone. <laughs> uh, that's what they all say, yeah, yeah. You know, a number of times I've heard that in my life. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'd like to be, I'd like to be Jess, actually. Not Jenks, Jenks, oh my God, no, not Jenks. I mean, I'd like to be Dupont. Oh, Christ, sorry, Tim. It's the food poisoning. We were talking about Jenks two minutes ago. Jenks, Dupont, it's just the same side of a different coin. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. We, we saw a different performance, right? It's fine. It was, it was a very you, different Tim. performance. I'm super proud of you, Roops. That was a great performance. I'll, you did. I'll, I'll work with you again, Tim. <laughs> I'll keep sending money. <laughs> I, think, I think if I could shapeshift into anyone in the game, I would like to shapeshift into Lexi and just you could just go around and give everyone Lexi hugs and spread joy. Because, uh, a lot of people, a lot of players, have uh, are really warm to Lexi, um, which is nice. Uh, she's <laughs> she's uh, become quite a popular character. So. Yes. Can I, can I be Zach then? Because he does lots of evil oh. stuff. And gets away with it. So, bad. Um, bad. Bad man, Zach. <laughs> and I couldn't be blamed. <laughs> that Zach. Yeah, there's, there's Zach photos on my phone. <laughs> so uh, we've played through a couple of times now and we had very mixed fortunes at the end. I w- we're not going to give any spoilers, but but without spoilers, is, is are there particular through lines in the story that are your favourites or uh, or how many different outcomes are there actually there's, there's only th- there's only three killers in the game mm-hmm. so you could you can either guess them correctly or not um and you can also there's there's quite a few di- there's like eight different endings for ls in terms of protecting her mm-hmm. uh including her death violet's death your death so there's, there's quite a few different ones there You'll get some of the best endings by epically failing, really. (laughs) If you pick who the the murderer is, then it's all over quite quickly because you've done well. Um, So you won't get any of those kind of escape scenes. Um, If you uh, if you tell if you tell Chief Dupont the wrong person over and over again when he's going to lock someone up, that's quite funny. We we did that specifically. (laughs) Just go through the list of names. Um, I mean. And a lot of the Easter eggs around there, but I'd definitely say probably not getting it right the first time mm. is definitely fun. But I think we watch a lot of people and they seem to give the game a lot more respect than we thought they would, especially on the first playthrough. So they'll do things like, but let's not shift too many times because it said we're going to, you know, we're going to get stuck yeah. that way. And wow. all, yeah. <laughs> so it, it definitely, but it means that when you do a second playthrough and you just relax a bit, that you possibly get a lot more content. But I don't know, how did you guys? Did, was your first playthrough kind of wicked, or were you <laughs> trying to be nice? I think it wasn't that we were trying to be nice. We were really, really trying hard to kind of almost get it right, whatever that actually means. <laughs> Absolutely, and then, yeah. And it's it's strange how involved you get when you really start worrying about. Um, well, it starts off initially when you know. I think I think as it opens up, you're you're trying um, a limited selection of characters that starts to open up as you meet them. And we were kind of trying to establish certain conversations early on, just to kind of learn information. But as the game progressed, it was interesting that we became a lot more interested in trying to really get to certain answers from certain characters quite quickly because mm. you really want to know what somebody knows. And occasionally, you do this thing where immediately mid conversation, you're like. 
I need to go and shapeshift into this character and come back and talk, to, you know, and talk to that one immediately because you really need to know. So it is, it is strange how um, interactive it it really is because you do feel like uh, you want to have some control over the shape of the story, mm. and it's surprising how much how much you do actually have the chance to do. Um, certainly, it was our first time playing an FMV, but the fact we could do all these different things was was potentially what was the most exciting aspect. And the fact you can then go back in and, and play again and be a bit more devious and really <laughs> yeah. wind up characters. Yes, we, <laughs> um, we definitely did that. We, we were a lot more antagonistic the second time around in terms of just going and winding people up. Yeah, I think it was Oscar. It was like, yeah, it was Oscar yeah. who, who we realised there was, there was something quite early on, maybe in the second or third chapter, where we managed to piss him off. And, <laughs> and then, in a strange way, we just kept on deliberately going back to see him to watch the same clip over and over again <laughs> of him getting antagonised with us. And if we didn't really know what to do, or we were just like, you know, thinking, oh, where should we go next? I think I would just uh, uh, get the controller on the... Uh, uh, on the switch and just go back and see him again and it was just it was actually quite fun just to see him get wound up I mean, it's nice because you know that he is there and he seems to take a lot of abuse I mean, I will leave him for a little bit but it's kind of I mean, it is interesting how the characters do change their reactions um and i think it's yeah it does feel like there's a lot more um well there's just so many layers to it that make you want to go back again like you say after you've played the first time to you know, to have another go play it from a different perspective and maybe uh try and um sort of alter the course of it yourself a little bit by uh, choosing who you speak to and the kinds of questions you ask which is which is brilliant mm. it's absolutely brilliant i mean we we're, we're so old we only play through things once and that's the end of it if we get that far so but, <laughs> but definitely shapeshift i mean it's got 5 hours or so of video in it and it is worth it is worth a second playthrough. It's strange to say because people think they'll have the entire story after one go, but um, it, you definitely get more if you go if you if you want to see almost not an entirely new film the second time around. But there's a lot of new content as you've probably found out. So, how much video is there in the game? Because your your previous game didn't it break a record for the amount of FMV that was in a video game. Uh, yes, and I'm trying to remember the exact length of it now. So, uh, seven, yeah, seven hours. Seven hours or something. Um, the, the Infectious Madness of Dr. Decker. Yeah, so it broke the record for the, um, uh, amount of FMV in a video game, uh, which was previously held by Wing Commander 4. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's, uh, we have a Guinness World Record, uh, hanging up here. Uh, by the front door, obviously, so people can see it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you don't want to hide things like that, away. Um Yeah, but a shapeshift um, doesn't have as much, I think, five hours something. Five hours 15. Five hours 15. Um, and it's, the videos are shorter um, in general, the, the, the video responses, but the, there's a lot more of them, and that's, um, I think, was it you found out it's like nineteen hundred videos in the game? Yeah. Yeah. So we've we've been going around saying there's sixteen hundred, but there's actually more closer to nineteen hundred videos. And most of those are responses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And does that include uh, the extra hour of bonus features where Rupert tries to work out how to join a group Skype call? <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna be in the DLC. <laughs> I used to like you. 
we do have a lot of bloopers actually. We have a lot of bloopers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, from everybody. We yeah. could put together an hour hour show of bloopers, yeah. <laughs> that would be a lot of fun actually. Do a do a Christmas tape. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's actually more content as well. There's conversations that are still on the cutting room floor that didn't make it in <laughs> just because they weren't needed for the, the mm. story. So they were just extra. But yeah, I reckon we could probably stick another 15 minutes, 20 minutes of convos in there for different people, but uh, not, not before Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> so is there a possibility of more games set in the town of August? Because it felt like there was a tremendous amount of world building and backstory that was almost left hanging in the, yeah. in the playthroughs that we've had. Yeah, no, we're good at leaving things hanging. <laughs> we, like, we like people to make up their own minds, but I, I think we probably there is a chance that we could do a shapeshift in Detective Two. Decker was really hard to actually do all the keywording for, and a, a lot of people seemed in general to just suffer the Decker interface to get to the videos. Um, even though we still quite like it as a as a as a as a mechanic, basically typing something in and getting an answer, but shapeshift would be easier to do. Having said that, if you've ever tried, like I said before, to write for nine other people, <laughs> if things get really twisty, um, it's it's hard enough doing a branching story when there's just one you know, protagonist. When when there's potentially, it felt like there were nine when we wrote it, but I I don't know. I always said I always. I always got upset with Joss Whedon about Buffy and things like that. So just keep doing it. So I guess at some at some stage we are going to have to do a sequel. Maybe <laughs> something. Yeah. We've said we've said the poem Row radio show. We could, you know would be ripe for uh, some kind of spin off. <laughs> It'd be quite fun where they investigate uh, mysteries in their spare time or the uh, the uh, traveling tarot readers investigating things. But it, yeah, it'd be nice to set set a story in August again because I think the the town itself um, you don't see an awful lot of it in the game, but there is this air that there's quite a lot there or to be discovered perhaps. So there is definitely potential to explore that more. I think whether we'll actually ever get around to it, I don't know, but <laughs> it could be fun. So where did the concept for the Poen Monroe show come from? Because actually I found that at various points in the story, we just stood in the hallway and listened to the short stories that were being <laughs> read, out, read out over there. We absolutely loved them. Where did all that come from? That was, a, I mean, that's another, that was another mechanic, really, to make things more interesting, stop it being boring. We knew we were going to need a kind of map screen to get between the different people. And we didn't want to, we didn't just want a map screen. So we thought, how can we make this a bit more animated? And then we thought, oh, what if I had radio in the background? And then we could have guest people on it and they could read out people's stories. And, um, it just, it, it grew from there then. We, then we put out a call for people. Five of those stories are actually just from writers who kind of submitted stuff to us. And we, we selected from a few people who sent stuff in and then. It's just it seemed like the, a good backdrop. If you haven't played Decca, but in Decca, the the camera would just show you shots of uh, the the characters looping in and out of the background on the couch in various stages of depression, I guess, or or anxiety or whatever. So you could watch that as a kind of screensaver, and 
the radio is the screensaver and shapeshift really we also we asked um some of our favorite youtubers and streamers to record the stories and, and do different voiceovers um which i think adds a bit more to it yeah it's nice to hear their familiar voices on there and uh, they they play the game and go oh it's me <laughs> it was a logistics nightmare though wasn't yes it, it was, it was. <laughs> I don't know how much of it you'll see in the next games, but uh, in terms of organising everybody and trying to get things in on time for release and all that stuff, it, it was quite difficult. But it's been nice being able to put other people in the game as well, because you don't get video games like this all the time. Not yet, anyway. I mean, it's probably coming. There's probably 100 coming out next month, but at the moment, they're, they're in short supply, so it's nice to get FMV fans and and also in, yeah, introduce new people to FMV if they're just finding it. And the game has been out for a couple of weeks now. What has been the uh, the response like so far? Really good, actually. Um, I think better than we hoped for, even. I mean, the, you get you get sort of it on two fronts because you get the reviews from websites and and magazines and things, the, the official reviews and. They've been generally um, positive, but I think more importantly for us, we've had an, a lot of players contact us on Twitter and Facebook and um, elsewhere just to say how much they've enjoyed the game and you know how much they're replaying it and uh, finding different things. There's and, been a lot of love. I mean, yeah, there's yeah. been a lot of love, and that's been really, really lovely and really surprising because um, you honestly don't know what the reception is going to be. And you work so so hard for so long on it, you kind of lose sight of. Uh, we hope it's fun. We don't know. We you know we think it's going to be fun, but are people going to find it fun? You honestly don't know by the end of it. So um, yeah, that that for us has been the the best thing is that people are actually really having fun with it. Um, and we haven't ruined anyone's career. No, <laughs> the actors can all hold their heads high. Yeah, we hope and Rosa and Rupert. Yeah. They don't have to just block our calls and stuff. So it's good. It's good this time around. This time around. <laughs> this time around, yeah. So have uh, have you, uh, Rupert and Anna Rosa, uh, played the game? And what do you uh, think about it? I haven't I'm, yet, oh, no. I'm really sorry. I haven't played it, but I've got mates who played it and they love it. Oh, Tim and Linda hate us now. Oh, <laughs> sorry, Tim and Linda. No. No, we, have, we haven't played it. I don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> Did you actually make it? <laughs> you know it was Wales Interactive made the game. Ah. <laughs> I have to admit, though, I've got the key that you gave us. You know that key you gave us for us to play it, Tim? So I'm going to play it because yeah, actually, yeah. oh, yeah, I haven't told you. I've got a boyfriend now and he likes playing games, so he's going to play it. Excellent. Oh, hey. I know. <laughs> There's some good news in it. <laughs> so yeah, so, yeah, I know. Oh. Yeah, and he's an actor too. So anyway, um, so he'll be he'll he'll uh, yeah. I was gonna say he won't mind playing me, but that's just weird. So he'll play the game. <laughs> Excellent. That's good. He can yeah. he can play you seeing Oscar in game. That's ridiculous. I know, right? It'll be like, oh, yeah. but you're there and you're there on the small screen. Oh, mind blown. Yeah. <laughs> so in the, 
in the game, Bronwyn is the sort of de facto leader of this trio of tarot card readers who... Oh, I like that. <laughs> who correctly predicted the, uh, the, the death of the, the character whose who's murder the game is built around. Yes. Is, is tarot reading a power that any of you would actually like to have in real life? Hell I yes, I would love to. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. I mean, I'm half Irish, so we grew up on like reading tea leaves. You know what I mean? Hmm. So people just look like, so I would love to do that. Although I'd probably get it wrong horrendously and probably predict something great for someone and it would be the complete opposite. So I'd probably have to go to like tarot school and really study it. But yeah, <laughs> no, it's true though. Well, I would love that as a skill. In fact, I kind of sort of believe in it. I know Rupert's probably rolling his eyes now, but I, I do like, I'm, I'm into all that sort of world anyway. So yeah. So if you know of any good tarot. You'd be, you'd, you'd be surprised at how little I'm rolling my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I would love that. Definitely. What about you, Rupert? I'd, uh, absolutely. I'd, I'd love to do anything that can help predict the future. I'm, I'm down with that. Yeah, quite. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to show you both how to do it. Oh. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> That's how the game was made. It all becomes uh, now. Yeah. days. <laughs> no, Lind- well, Linda, Linda does do tarot. She has. She's been doing tarot for ages. She's released a book actually as well, but oh, really? about fifteen years. Yeah. Yeah. It's, just, it's one of the ways I I get to convince her to make F and B games is to put stuff she likes in them. <laughs> you don't have to convince me to make yeah. F and B games. <laughs> <laughs> What's the book yeah. called? Uh, it's called the uh, uh, it's called the Tarot Playbook: Seventy Eight Novel Ways to Connect with Your Cards, and it's actually uh, um, it's a sort of activity book, really, for tarot. Because people like me who like tarot um, and like collecting tarot decks and then stick them in a drawer and don't know what to do with them, um, then it's still sort of lots of different activities and games and things you can play with your cards that, that sort of makes you feel like you're using them. So. <laughs> we also made a video called Tarot Strip Bear many that, years ago. That was a long time ago. That was an instructional yeah. video. That, that was a long, long time ago. You can watch that one for fun. That was about de wooing the tarot. So taking the uh the uh all the the negative sort of mystical connotations and trying to explain it in a, mm. a practical, no nonsense way. Yeah. <laughs> Did you get the tarot cards, Anna Rosa? Oh, you know what? I got the note saying that they got delivered, so I need to pick them up at the post office. So I'm very excited. Oh, no, 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 that's absolutely fine. No, right. I'll tell you what, though. I got worried because every now, at this time of year, I'm always getting um, registered letters, and they're normally from the bloody taxman. But then it said it came from England, and that made me happy. Hey. So then I realized. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, it's not the taxman. It's just tarot cards. That's great. So I'm very happy. Quite <laughs> Yeah, oh yeah. no! Don't worry. Trust me. There'll be Instagrams and everything when I get the cards. You'll you'll be tagged. <laughs> <laughs> and most of the game is set within this uh, sort of rambling old guest house. Where do you shoot all of that? In a rambling old guest house. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, in a very lovely uh, big manor house, um, which is about half an hour away from where we're oh, based um, it was stunning uh, it, yeah it was a really nice house and they actually they hire it out um, it was horrible Rupert. it was it was horrible it, well, it was very haunted <laughs> um, but yeah they, they do hire it out as sort of a, a holiday home 
really. So yeah. anyone can go and stay in it. Um, but uh, it was beautiful, and and the rooms were so big and and haunted and, and very haunted. Yes, yeah. I heard ghostly footsteps at midnight on the first night there uh, on the stairs, which were very creepy because everyone had gone to bed already. <laughs> well, the housekeeper told us. Told oh yeah, us no, it and it definitely yeah, yeah. the housekeeper was giving us all sorts of scary tales about it. But the woman who owns the place, she actually asked for a copy of the key because it was her 50th birthday recently and she wanted to play it at the manor. So she <laughs> she actually played Shapeshift and Detective, we believe. I mean, we weren't involved. In the house it was but, filmed yeah. yeah. <laughs> she was very happy for us to film that. And how long did it actually take to shoot all these little sort of clips and inserts for the game? Um, it felt like years, but I think it was... <laughs> we, we only had the manor house from Monday afternoon till the Friday morning. Friday morning. Mm. So we wanted a full week, but it was just fully booked the whole time. So we could only get that. So we basically shot around the clock for, for those manor house scenes. Um, the rest of them took between a day or two days, depending on who, how drunk the actor was. <laughs> <laughs> Or how drunk we thought they might be. No, no, no. <laughs> some people, some people definitely just had a few more lines or anything uh, that involves moving at all. Action to, yeah, it takes longer to, yeah. to film. So I know there's not a lot of movement in our games, but that's because it takes forever to actually film about three seconds. So we can actually. We, I, go. So I just thought that was because Rupert wasn't wearing any trousers during the shoot. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's no, I would have, I'd have filmed that. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> he signed the contract. I, I kind of, I actually did have a problem with the trousers. The trousers were rather too short for me, and and so and slightly too small. So when I was sat down, they'd kind of ride up. So when I stood up, it was kind of like Dupont was half masked, though no one could see. Through. <laughs> and it also it was kind of that must painful. give you that kind of on the edge um, performance yeah. you gave though. It's like it was, it was a slightly disgusting. That's exactly yeah. what it gave. It was it was it was a bit on the edge. Yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, probably about 11 days, 11, 13, 11, 12, 13 days production. Production, all in all. Yeah. So it's pretty, pretty quick, I guess. And it, does that include all of the the voiceover bits of everybody reading out the dialogue that you choose when you're shapeshifted into them? Yeah, we did. We, most of the voiceovers we did on, on, the, on the shoot days as well. So everybody in the manor house, they were doing their voiceovers. Anna Rosa did about three voiceover sessions because I missed loads of voiceovers to do. Um, <laughs> she was leaving actually the morning she was leaving i needed to do a voiceover and it was the voice it was the voiceover part where she's trying to entice oscar on the bed and she just she was she's she'd had enough she's like oh get on the bed <laughs> and actually that works for the character I, I like that let's keep that it's like i'm only saying it i'm trying to get you out of here and it's good yeah <laughs> So, so aside from the the maybe possibility of of other games set in August at some point in the future, what other games have you got in the pipeline? Uh, we are working on well, we FMV three is in development at the moment, which means we are doing a lot of pacing and brainstorming and uh, working out exactly how it's going to work and what it's going to be. Um, but that's going to be called Pocket Dreadfuls. Um, it has a Twitter account already, <laughs> but uh, there's not much. Oh, to, I'm gonna find it now. Well, it, there's there's not much to say about it at the moment, so um, it's more reserved for when we have some uh, things to share. But um, 
yeah, that's what we're working on at the moment. And that's, well, I don't want to say too much about it, really. Because not because I don't want to give too much away, because there isn't an awful lot to give away, but I don't want to say something that is then subsequently going to change because it's it, it's in such an early stage of development that it probably turned out to be a completely different kettle of fish. It's more, we just get bored really quickly. But it's I think it's definitely going to be more like Shapeshift than Decker in terms of usability mm-hmm. for people to be able to play it. Um, and I, <laughs> we, we we thought that the story in Decker was potentially stronger than the one in Shapeshift and the reason for that is is that the amount of time that, w- that we have in terms of film gets spread out along a, a load of uh, protagonists basically so shapeshift, you, you, know, yeah. you shapeshift into different people so really in terms of um, story, Decker is long and Shapeshift is wide. I think we're gonna we'll be going long again. Decker uh, is deep. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Full yeah. pun intended. And stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be going long in short trousers. Yeah. Long and wide, right, right. Yeah. It'll be fun. Mainly, it'll be fun. Fun. Write it down. Yeah, we've got that written down. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget, it has to be fun. I'll start the whole thing, start again. <laughs> okay, so we'd like to thank you all for joining us uh, for this chat about uh, Shapeshifting Detective. Tim and Linda, could you let our listeners know where they can get their hands on a copy of the game? Uh, yes, you can get it on Steam for the PC and Mac. You can get it on the Xbox One, PlayStation 4, or Nintendo Switch. So visit shapeshiftingdetective.com. It's got links to all those places. Yeah. Excellent. So thank you so much to all four of you for joining us. It's been really fun talking to you all. Thank, thank you. you. Absolute pleasure. It's been lovely. Thank you very much. Thanks for playing the game. Mm-hmm. So we'd like to thank Tim, Linda, Rupert and Anna Rosa for joining us for a chat all about the shapeshifting detective. Yeah, we've got loads of information about the game on the website. If you're interested, you can find the links to Deveki Studios and also Wales Interactive, who are the publishers of the game, and also all the social media contacts for Tim and Linda and Anna Rosa and Rupert. And also some links as to where you can find the game to buy it, depending on whether you're on a PC or a Switch or an Xbox or a PlayStation because it's uh, available pretty much everywhere. So that's it for episode 26 of the Time for Cakes and Ale podcast. Thank you all for listening. You can find out more about the podcast um, just by searching for Time for Cakes and Ale. Uh, We have a website, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter. And uh, of course, please do get in touch if you uh, would like to connect with us or find out more about uh, some of the things we're up to. Many of you who listen to the Time for Cakes and Ale stream will be aware that we run uh, at the moment three different podcasts. We have uh, Time for Cakes and Ale, uh, which you've been listening to today. We also have our prisoner podcast, uh, The Tally Ho, and uh, that's going to be morphing into an interesting stream all about classic and cult TV and film from the 60s that will run after we've um, done a little bit more on The Prisoner. And also we have our Twin Peaks podcast, Time for Cherry Pie and Coffee, which will be returning in the new year. So you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or all the usual places. And if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on the website, timeforcakesnail.com, or on our Twitter feed, 
at TFCAA or on Facebook in the group. And please do get in touch. We always love to hear from people who are listening to the podcast, whether you've got comments on anything that we've done so far or suggestions as to topics you think might be interesting for us to cover in the future. So until the next time, be be seeing seeing you. you.